0: The final snap of Super Bowl 45. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home.
2: What is up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talk of the Tundra. I am your host Numak. With me today is Ty. Ty, how are you doing after a uh, overtime at the buzzer Packers win?
1: You know, I'm good. Uh, it really felt like it was going to be my name and be a tie at one point after both offenses <laughs> just shut down on their first uh, first drives in overtime. But glad Green Bay got the win, even if they didn't cover. They still got the win. And as we have had to resort to saying often this season, a win is a win is a win. <laughs> I think that's uh, the, new, the new MVP of Packers Twitter. It is true. Although, we would like to see a little bit more consistent play, better play. Really, I think from both ends. You could maybe even say on all three ends from Green Bay in this game. But, we will take the W and move on to next week in
2: London. As it has been every single game this year, it's been an ugly win. Like, we haven't had any. Well, I
1: I would have gladly taken that week one. Yeah, well, that's then, yeah.
2: They've been ugly games nonetheless. Uh as we we talked about went to overtime 27-24 Packers against uh Bailey Zappi. Only Brian Hoyer for the first, I think, two drives. But uh I think he went with a concussion. Just I don't don't really know how it happened. I watched the replay of Rashawn Gary sacking Brian Hoyer. And like obviously concussions and head injuries are weird and they're probably being extra cautious given the two news. Yeah. But he didn't, like, hit Brian Hoyer in the head. He didn't drive him into the ground. It just kind of – it was weird.
1: Yeah, oh. I – that and Adrian Amos, who made a sh- yeah. string tackle and went out, it did feel to me like – and I think it's kind of the players because it seemed like Hoyer really, like, got himself out of there pretty quick. And I think well, yeah, sort did,
2: did too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, – for my read was the players saw the Tua thing and maybe – you know, maybe it was more prescient on their minds that, you know, the second concussion stuff and how risky this all is. And I think guys were like, hey, I'm not, I'm, you know, it's, you know, love the game. It's regular season. You know, this one of these teams, is 10 a half point favorite, you know, I don't want to die or have serious issues. Like I'm just going right. to be safe, which I, I think is totally fine. I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's why you have 53 guys on the roster plus a practice squad. You know right. that—that's the point. So that's—that was my read on it. Because I, I don't know. Maybe those two guys would have checked out if the Tua stuff never happened. Maybe one would have. Who knows, right? But I, right. I certainly agree. It did feel like there was some extra caution, which is probably which is a good thing. Like, probably a good thing. It's definitely I think definitely <laughs> a good thing. But um, you know, the team survived. It was a close game, even without uh, Hoyer and
2: Amos in there. Right. So we didn't get as much Axel Edward as we thought we'd get. Instead, we got rookie, I think fourth round pick, Bailey Zappi, who for our all intents and purposes played pretty darn well. And so uh, we'll jump into that a little bit later. We we'll talk about the defense, but talk about the offense a little bit. Rodgers is kind of a tale of two halves. He has always said, I think throughout his career, that it's pretty rare for him to play two bad halves. And he talked about it last night as post game presser too. We got one of those halves tonight. <laughs> yeah the, uh, the the first half was pretty abysmal. It was not inspiring. There was nothing really to draw from outside of, I guess, one drive, the one to uh to Dobbs where he made that athletic catch. But man, otherwise it was slim pickings for for Rodgers.
1: Yeah, for you know, I think the confusing part was. That and the first half touchdown was uh, the Watson, the Watson. all oh, that's um, right, rushing touchdown. My, there was, my apologies. There was yep. no no thrown touchdown in the first half for the Packers. Mm-hmm. It. I don't really understand it. You know, I, I wondered uh, aloud during the game, like is something up with his arm? You know, they they didn't attempt a hail mary on the last play of the first half. They they right. ran a play, just threw it underneath and did the lateral thing. Um, second half looked much better, and there were some strikes in the first half as well. He's also just missed a lot, and I, I don't really right. know why. I mean, there was a deep ball to Christian Watson that, you know, it just seemed like kind of came out as a little bit of a duck, and it kind of like the wind caught yeah. it and Watson wasn't able to get to it, which is just, you know, I think for a lot of quarterbacks, pretty normal stuff. For Rodgers, not really. I mean, I'm just used to seeing lasers come out of the guy's arm, and I know he's in his... Late 30s now, but and we did again. We saw some lasers in this game. It's just off, and and not all of it can be attributed to oh, Dobbs and Watson are you know not not adjusting to the ball, not running the right stuff. I mean, Dobbs certainly had a couple mistakes. We'll get into. Also had a couple of great plays. We'll get into. But like you know, Cobb and Lazard were getting missed on routes late in that late in the first half. It was just very bizarre. It was just like not working. And again, I think I I would say even though they ended up winning, I have some reservations about not maybe seeing Aaron Jones enough, although he did carry the ball 16 times. There were just some long stretches where it just felt like we weren't seeing him quite enough. Dylan also carried it 17 times. So the ground game certainly did get involved. I mean, they end up having nearly as many carries as Rodgers has attempts, and of course, uh, they did catch, actually only caught one, oh no, they caught four balls, but Jones just didn't get a lot of yards. But it's just yeah. off. I, I don't know how much more we can really say. Just the decision making, the the throw um, decision making, especially on the pick six, right. and the actual balls were just not there in the first half. But as Roger said after the game, doesn't usually have two of those in a row. Thankfully, that did not happen uh, in this game.
2: Right. So, play off of that. Rodgers talked about like a lot of his play in his press, his post-game conference, and touching on. He didn't touch on it. I'm gonna touch on it, but like the ducks versus the lasers that we saw in this game, like there is a couple. I, I think it might have been the Watson play, or it might have been Lazard. They're going up the the left side, and Rodgers lofted it to whichever receiver it was. It just fell incomplete, but it was like one of those real big arcing ones that just kind of drops harmlessly. And usually you see kind of Rogers kind of drop it in there, but it just ended up not happening. And then contrastly, the second half, when he played better, he threw that absolute bullet to Tunyon. Like we're used to seeing those, like that kind of throw from Rogers all the time, and not the ones that just sort of fall harmlessly. And then um the Hail Mary, uh LaFleur said in the postgame that it just wasn't the look they got at the line, not to not not to throw it. That's why they threw it underneath. And LaFleur uh, said he did not want to see the, the pitch back to EJ from Cobb. He was like, Nope, would have rather just went down. <laughs> Which is uh, funny to see that they're just trying their best to win, but maybe we just go down next time and go into the half without turning the ball over.
1: Yeah, that I did for a second. I was like, this could get really disastrous if like this ball gets like punched yeah. or something and scoots out scoots out the wrong way. That yeah. also on the, the Tunyon drive. This was kind of like a uh, – it felt like a bad process, good results drive because they, they start out pass, pass, pass and gain a grand total of zero yards on the first two passes. So it, I was – I the Twitter fingers were ready to rail about Aaron Jones just because he was so, so good in this game. But the third pass was – that was deep right to Lazard for 32 and it was nice. same deal. It was like – complete contrast from the duck to Watson earlier. And I think that was the right side. I think both of those plays were the same part of the field. It was a laser that Lazard wasn't even open, but just laid out and and hauled in. And that I think really boosted them and set the tone for the second half. It was like, you know, early ish in the game. You don't want to say this, but it kind of felt like a little do or die in terms of like, we got to get going. I mean, you know, obviously, we're not too worried about Bailey Zappi putting up 50 on us, but at a certain point, you just you got to get moving in the right direction. It took Green Bay quite a while to do that in this game, but the defense really did keep them in it. Basically, basically giving up 17 points. I think the second half, the defense is going to look and you know feel a little bad about how much they were they did give up to a New England team captained by a. Third string quarterback, but in his rookie <laughs> year, but still, uh, they gave up 17, minus in the pick six, so certainly not you know a bad performance per se from Green, da- green Bay's defense.
2: Right, I was glad to see that they got um, that they got Lazard mixed in in the middle too. Like I think yeah. I saw, I'd probably say close to 50 of his yards were just on simple post routes towards the middle of the field. Like the first throw of the of the first of the game for them was that 24-yard completion to Lazard, and then the subsequent play was the pass to Dobbs, which he fumbled. Yeah. So, like, I'm glad that they're, they're getting people mixed getting in Getting down the, the field. Getting yeah. down
1: the field a little bit more, too, which, right. like, you know, you could kind of say, oh, that did lead to the interception, but I think it made the offense really dynamic by the second half, and on that first drive. You know, that, that first drive was pretty much all of Rodgers' production in the first half. Right. I've got the... Play over uh, – I've got the split stats here. So I don't have the QB ratings. One, because they're kind of made up. But anyway, I think you can kind of tell. You can kind of tell if it's good or bad. Yeah. First half, four completions, 11 yards, 44 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Just not a lot getting done. And again, I think there was 25 yards total on the first drive between – the Lazard play and the Dobbs fumble. So yeah. that was pretty much all of all of that that was almost half more than half of the yards. The second half though, 18 or excuse me, 12 for 18, 157 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. And then in overtime, Rodgers is 5 for 6 for 50 yards. First drive was bad, but the second drive he was able to move the ball. The whole Packers offense was AJ Dillon I think they like using him late because defenses just don't want to hit as much at that point in the game. A.J. Yep. Dillon was crucial in that drive, too. But uh, moved the ball, was efficient there. So, yeah, certainly a tale of, you know, one half and one half plus overtime for Rodgers and the offense in general, I would say.
2: Right. Uh, touching on A.J. Dillon quick, uh, LaFleur said post game. Uh, I think it was one of the – I don't know who, who it was who asked, but one of the reporters asked um, if there was anything to – A.J. Dillon getting used in overtime more than Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. And it was basically what we've said all year is this, that A.J. Dillon's a great end-of-the-game running back. Yeah. They do a lot more north-south running towards the end of the game rather than outside the tackles. So, um,
1: Also, l- I will say there was some some question of, like, is Jones a little banged up? It seemed like he was kind of a little ginger at some points during the game. I, I don't know. I, I think yeah. – I think if you play running back, you probably always are a little banged up, but always hurting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I think strategically, it does make sense to you know give Jones if you're going to split it unevenly. Let Jones build that rhythm late because just it is a thing in football, man. Like it's hard to
2: Jones or Dylan.
1: Oh, uh, sorry, Dylan. My thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. it, it is hard to just want to tackle a guy like that when you've already played. In this game, seventy minutes of football or whatever, sixty-five minutes right. of football.
2: Right. Yeah. And I that definitely a tough game physically for George Jones of the the parts I saw. He got his his head turned on a face mask, got his hair pulled on a the next drive in the first half, it was, <laughs> it was a tough game for him. But going back to Rogers briefly, I wanted to touch I wanted to talk about this just as maybe something we don't see in the future. On the pick six, um, during his post game press conference someone asked what's going through his head and he jokingly said like you really want to know as if like it's he's he's gonna he knows he's yelling at himself We talked about how that was the fourth pick six of his career and that two of them have come on that route and he doesn't like throwing that route he just like he, he doesn't like it for some reason especially not
1: against uh, jack johnson or whatever the guy's jack name jones, is jack jones i think jack it is jones.
2: jack jones jack johnson's busy yeah. making man of pancakes jack jones yeah true <laughs> Um, I thought that, thought that thought that was interesting. That one, I as for as much as you have Rogers' grief about being able to recall all these plays and thinking he's so smart about it, <laughs> I think that it's really cool that he can like tell you like, yeah, I've had four big sixes in my career, and two of them were that play. Yeah, and so he talked about when he went to into, into halftime, he had a little talk with himself with an assist from David Bakhtiari, and that kind of reset him for the second half. So. It's at least good to see that he still has that mentality of being able to reset after all these years and not get too in the weeds of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you know it's not shocking. I, I would say no. that it's that route because it is such a risky one for a pick six. I mean, yeah. any I'd imagine out of the other two. I wonder if there's like a batted pass or something in there, just because it's usually pretty hard to throw one on most routes that aren't short or off to the side where, you know, you're right. going to have just so many offensive players between, you know, wherever the pick is and, and the end zone, it makes sense. But yeah, it was just didn't seem like a good throw or a good decision. And combining yeah. those as a quarterback can be very
2: costly. Yeah. The throw it's the, the pick six itself was definitely on Rogers. It was yeah. like, even if that's a, Nicely thrown ball, and Lazard doesn't fall down. It, it's still a pick six. Like, yeah, it was just one a good play by the cornerback to a very poor throw by Rogers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the best case at that point, given where the coverage was, is you try to lead Lazard out of bounds like really heavily, and maybe he can toe drag right. in if he stays up, but not sure. It's just that that route is tough because if it's built into the offense, like you just got to know. Sometimes it's just never ever there, and you can't yeah. even try to throw it. And I think that's probably why Rodgers doesn't like it, is because most routes, even if it's covered, like he'll make it happen. But that one, like playing so diagonally with the sideline, it's like it right. can just never be there.
2: Right. Exactly. But that was one of Lazard's eight targets. But he ended up with six receptions and 116 yards. Without a doubt, the best uh, production game we've seen from Lazard this year. He had a couple of touchdowns in other games, but not nearly as many yards and not nearly as uh, featured. As he was this game. I think this is one of like his true his truly first wide receiver one game we've seen this year.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Gained more yards than any Packers skill position player, uh, even actually, yeah, even Aaron Jones by one. Um yep. <laughs> but really just like and none of it was I mean, there was some very nice catches, especially the sideline one, but it just felt like he's just doing his job. You know, kind of reminded me almost of like a um of a Jordy Nelson game. And that, like, he's not—he's not constantly mossing people. Like Dobbs, I think has flashier plays, even if there's right. less of them. But he's just like—he's out there running the routes, like making the catches, like just doing his thing. If he has space, he'll run. If he doesn't, he's just gonna go down and and get back to the line. And I think that's the kind of receiver that you know is is probably Rogers' favorite. Like, just keep going right. out there and doing the routes and and. You know, just consistently making yourself a good target. And that's what I got from Lazard this game. And, yeah, I think really encouraging. As much as we talked about and will talk about Dobbs and Watson and how important they are, Mm -hmm. at the same time, like, it's also really important that Lazard is good. Like, the Packers have this year goals, (laughs) and he should still be the guy for this year. So I think it's almost underrated or, like, going under the radar how great he was and how important it is and really hope to see – more of this from alan lazard as the packers you
2: know go on this season right absolutely i think to steal uh added from uh larry mccarron who was listening to the radio but yesterday uh alan lazard just brought his lunch pill to work he just he was working hard he wasn't doing anything flashy he was just getting the work done clocked in clocked out 100 so percent. yeah that was, was a good one from him yeah let's talk about those rookie wide receivers
1: uh, are we sure they're both wide receivers? I think one of them is a running back at this
2: point. You think it, that they would have drafted another running back given how they use Christian Watson? And I'm like, on the one hand, real happy Christian Watson got his first touchdown in the NFL. And he got which, to Lambeau Leap. And he got to Lambeau Leap. And it, I'm really happy that he finally got that that burden off his shoulders. On the other hand, I really wish they just start using him as a receiver. Like, I know it, it, that. I, I know that I know that there's a game plan and it's working like clearly the the end and the the jet sweeps are working with Chris like with Schwartz in that role on his offense. But at the same time, I feel like there is so much more of an opportunity to see what he has that receiver and mixing him in more that way. That way you have three talented wide receivers at that position when you want to go five out or you want to go four out and just let him use his speed and get down the field to spread out that defense and open up the inside or open up the middle of the field. sort of the under routes. Should they be there? And we just haven't seen that a lot outside of that first throw in that Vikings game.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, there was an attempt in this game, at least the deep ball to him that the ball just, the ball just sailed a little bit. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, I would like to see him targeted more um, in the, it really targeted more, not just the the underneath stuff. On the other hand, I don't mind that they continue to do that. A to a from the you know not from the Watson specific side, but just from the Packers as a whole. It's it's a good use of a player who does have some questions, you know, about his about his game right now as a receiver, as right. we've seen, you know, in the in the Vikings game, but is sub four, four speed. And it's like, you are, you're getting real positive. You got a touchdown out of him on a play where I don't think anyone even touched him. Like, I I do think it's good for him and for the team to keep him involved. What I hope is he continues to also get to run routes and actually be targeted. Like, again, he was once in this game once, I mean, he he had three targets. He had one catch for eight yards and I believe was very underneath. I don't remember the other one, if it was a deep pass or not, I'm going to guess not, but I'm honestly not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just hope that they do both with him, but I don't mind the gadget stuff because it's working well for right. the team. And I think it keeps him involved. And at least he's like getting touches. And I think if his future is to be like, you know, a Cordero Patterson kind of player, which I'm not shoehorning him into that now, yeah. but if it is, that's not terrible. And you can still no. get a lot of use out of someone like that. And it does seem like they're kind of shaping him up to be, Closer to the third or fourth, probably fourth receiver. I mean, maybe lower than that when Watson is back. We'll see. Or when Watkins, Watkins is back. We'll see. Um, but also always having touches in there on the sweeps and screens and end arounds and that kind of stuff, which I'd like to see him a little higher priority. But, you know, Dobbs has incredible catches. Lazard looks like wide receiver one. And the vets have been good when they've played. So I kind of hey. get it on the
0: other hand. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: The two players that came to mind for me, you said uh, Cordell Patterson. I thought of Percy Harvin and Taywan Austin. Yeah. Like they're, it seems like they're being cut from the same cloth right now, which.
1: Yeah, I guess that's fair considering Cordero gets a lot more usage than Watson. I mean, obviously, Watson's not going to be a true running back with these two guys that they have either.
2: Right. And like Cordero Patterson, to start his career, was a true like running receiver, has now transitioned to that like running back, first, wide receiver, second kind of role, which has worked well for him, good for him. I just don't want to limit his use right away before we actually see what he can do as receiver because like I think he does have talent as a running receiver, as opposed to like Tavon Austin, Percy Harvin never really got there.
1: I think Percy Harvin had some good years. I think he ends up prime, like the injuries really derailed him, but if he ends up being like what Percy Harvin could do, I think that's the best case right now for, for Watson. It's like a good dynamic receiver who obviously can stretch, and that's what they use him for when he does run. He stretches the field well. Who also they're going to make sure he just gets the ball, even if he's not getting those, even if the defense does bottle him up. I think right. that that's a that's a great comp. I would say.
2: Yeah. So, overall, both rookie receivers get touchdown. One running, obviously, one rut re- or one receiving, and I think Dobbs is continuing to show his athleticism on these touchdown receptions. And I'm just week in week out, he's just really showing why we drafted him. Um, I'm gonna see him. I'm pretty sure I pulled the tweet up. The uh, the list of the fourth round receivers in the NFL in NFL history to record as many receptions, yards, and touchdowns as Roman Dobbs through four games. Your good friend Marcus Colston. Oh and, the quiet storm. End of list. Yeah. Last week, that same stat with uh receptions, yards, and touchdowns through three games was uh Marcus Colston and Hall of Famer Steve Largent.
1: Oh no, wow, Steve Largent.
2: And then end of list.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, I think uh, it's kind of funny that he got all the way to the fourth. I mean, I guess yeah. you, you do see some of the negatives on display with Dobbs, too. But, you know, I think not to make a player to player comparison, but like Devontae Adams had a huge drops problem early in his career and then just figured yeah. it out. So I think you just kind of have to hope that Dobbs figures out, you know, the ball yeah. security and, and the. And, and just I think general ball security is the biggest thing, whether it's. The fumble, he lost one in this game. Uh, we talked about, or the the drop touchdown, which some people I think are mad about, but I think generally is pretty obviously not a catch.
2: You mean uh Dez Bryant catch two
1: Yeah, pretty which much. Like,
2: I saw the the play and I saw the replay, and it's like I don't think Rodgers was too mad at Dobbs for dropping it because Rodgers in this pro game had talked about that, like you that ball wasn't thrown well. He didn't. Uh, put it in the right spot. Maybe I've been like a tad too long. But, like, all in all, he caught the ball. The yeah. problem is is that he was running full speed, falling down. Yep. And it's hard to brace yourself with the ball and everything in your hand. Yeah. But it, it just came out. Like, for all intents and purposes, he quote unquote caught the ball. He just didn't complete the process, which is one of those stupid NFL rules. But
1: yeah. overall, especially great stupid play. Because if he had caught it on like the two, and taking a couple steps and falling forward, it's a touchdown. It a touchdown. But yeah. Because it happened in the end zone. You have to complete it all the way through. It's a little dumb, but also I get it because otherwise – like yeah. if, if it was just at any point in the end zone, I mean you could have like your hand on it for a second and just blasted, it and it's a touchdown. It's, it's complicated. I mean we're not here to debate M- NFL rules, but it, right. w- it would have been great if he held onto it and had a two-touchdown game. But still, I'd, I'd say the one that did count, that touchdown – was like I don't I don't know what what about it necessarily just like the way he hung in the air just a mm-hmm. really cool and impressive Romeo Dobbs touchdown and I think there was a little bit of after the fumble a little bit of like oh here we go is he not going to get targeted again I and, was kind
2: of feel that too until I saw the touchdown I felt the same way
1: I just I think we're past the, that with Dobbs at this point like I just yep. think Rodgers realizes and you know maybe with Watkins back this changes I don't think so like I think Rodgers realizes like. The dude is special, and he can make these highlight plays. And yeah. he's you know, probably up there with Lazard at this point in terms of the guys he trusts to make all those plays. And if you look at it, those two had double the targets of anybody else on the Packers. I think Dobbs is just here at this point and will continue to be here even if there are some mistakes. Maybe because there's just not other options, but also right. I just think because the upside is pretty damn apparent by now.
2: Yep. Uh, Post game, Roger said his press conference quote, Romeo's growing and making some plays. Hit him twice. I hit, I hit him twice in the last drives so obviously I have confidence in him. And I went to him on that key third down with two minutes left in the game. That was him talking about just sort of trusting Dobbs. Like that was kind of the uh um the narrative quote unquote through the first few weeks was like, do you trust these these rookie receivers? Are you gonna sort of ice them out after they have drops? And Rogers kind of put that to bed last night. That um he's just gonna have to keep throwing to him because. He's proving it. And then uh, yeah. on that touchdown, two things. And like I still Rogers and his presser had said that he told Watson and Dobbs like in training camp and it is throughout their talks, not to look for back shoulder throws. Cause he's like, I'm like, he's like, I know they watch tape and they know that I liked throwing that to Tay and like throwing to Nelson and yada, yada, yada. He's like, don't look for them. Like try to catch it square and not reach for it on the back shoulder. well, oh. That throw happened to like float a little bit on Rodgers and Dobbs made the great adjustment to catch it back shoulder. And uh, after the word or after the game, uh, Rodgers said he told uh, Romeo, uh, I'm going to keep coming to you. I'm proud of you. That was awesome on the last drive. An awesome back shoulder catch. So he recognizes the kid has talent. That's all you can really ask for at this point.
1: Yeah, it was just the way that play, it seemed like, I mean, it's not a super long ball or anything, but just the way he adjusted to it and reeled it in, it was just like, for me, it was like, oh, wow, like that's, uh,
2: you just don't see a play like that all the time. So, yeah. And even from Dobbs to the, when he's at his locker there talking to him, after the fumble, he was talking about like not getting too down and it's like becoming a more mature player and recognizing that yeah, at one point is the end of your career. And you know, he's just thankful to know that he'll have more opportunities to make plays and he did. So great presence of mind by, by Roman Dobbs.
1: Yeah, and I think going back to one last thing on like the oh he's not gonna target him thing, there were some like uh stuff shared on Twitter and everything about oh, he hasn't targeted him since for a yeah. while after the fumble. He had thrown like three passes over yeah. like ten in-game minutes. Like the no nobody had been targeted much since. I think the the Packers offense in general was ground to a halt. So I don't know if that was an agenda so much as just not many plays happening uh right. for, for the offense, but
2: um, real quick before we move to the defense, unless you have anything else on the offense. The uh, trenches a little bit. I figured we could do a, a
1: trenches bit. transition, maybe.
2: Yeah. Well we will get to that in a second. Randall Cobb. Oh. uh, as you talked about, showing up his Wes Matthew traits again. That's all I wanted to say. He was when they need him, man. When they need him. Like I saw a couple plays in the second half where he just made two really big third down catches and that's what doing. I'm
1: guessing you didn't hear the broadcast for those, but Romo talking about him. It's kind of cool. Romo said, you know, it feels like Cobb is is younger Cobb again. Like he's really getting separation on these routes and, and just hauling in balls. And I was like, it kind of does feel like that, Tony. I think yeah. you're right.
2: A little bit, yeah. So I, I after he says it, I reckon like I'm realizing, yeah, he's kind of getting that, that separation. But yeah, cool, cool bit by. Confirmed good analyst, Tony Romo.
1: I, I thought it was a good Romo game. I know people hate Romo sometimes, but he wasn't doing the calling the place things too much. And I thought his insights was I like good. that. I don't mind it either.
2: Yeah, like I like that. It gives me like, like I feel I feel like I know more than I do when Romo does that.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I was thinking that too. I was also, I was thinking the same thing, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
2: Trenches. It was a uh, an up and down game for the trenches. Touch on offense. I feel like we saw EJ not play as well as we would have liked to see him play. But on like the literal flip side, I didn't see Bakhti argue up to any pressures either.
1: Yeah, I think once he got beat, and that might have been the only time. Um, I don't remember if it was a Rodgers sack or what. Rodgers actually only gets sacked once, which feels pretty low, and there's only three QB hits from New England. But Mm -hmm. it really felt like Matthew Judon was wrecking stuff for especially a lot of the first half. Um, And I'll be interested to see like the amount of throws that were under pressure for Rodgers in that first half, which I'm sure, you know, he's took some shots. I think it might have been Bach getting beat the play Rodgers. I don't remember what the actual throw was. I don't think it was the pick six, but he got lit up on, on one of the balls early. It wasn't a sack, but he did take a shot. Um, so, yeah, I think not a – it's still that the run blocking was there. I mean, yeah. we didn't talk about him much, but Jones and Dylan combined for 183 yards. Jones, 6.9 yards per rush. Dylan, 4.3, which, you know, he's he's not getting as much separation. His yards are probably a <laughs> little, little bit harder to come by. But both right. of those guys, uh, a lot of success on the ground. The Packers, nearly 200 yards rushing, 199 overall. So, the run blocking was certainly, was there enough, but I'd say pass blocking, especially in the first half, is a little difficult. But still, mm-hmm. it was nice to see, you know, more more plays down the field, as we've talked about, getting away yeah. from running that Bears-Justin Fields offense and letting these guys actually go make plays. I think we saw why
2: that's worth doing in this game. Right. The floor said that they are going to continue to take those shots, even if, end result is an incompletion because they want to let the defense know that they're willing to take those shots and they are working on not being a results oriented offense. So it's all but, like the process. So if like an, a deep incomplete pass on the sideline falls incomplete obviously. They're okay with that so long as it sets up a bigger play or an as big play later in the game that has more impact um, yeah. on them winning. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I just think the, it looked like the offensive outside of you know the first half, especially Judon and and company making some great plays. Overall, though, Rogers again only gets sacked once and is able to sit back a little longer than the yeah. first couple of weeks and and make those throws downfield, which is a great sign.
2: Yeah, that that sack wasn't a good one. I didn't like that. It it was the the play EJ got blown up by uh, by Judon, and I don't know if like rogers was like flat footed or something but Judon like got his arm on him but yeah. like wasn't grabbing he was just kind of like pushing him and then rogers like just like didn't move like he, there was a lane for him to escape and kind of um step out and evaded the rush and just did it and fell down i was i was again first half rogers he oh he
1: i think i don't know if i can't remember if it was Judon now or not but at one point he almost got thrown down by like one hand and does like almost like a full flip like oh kinda,
2: that, wasn't that uh the fourth quarter yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, that was yeah. that was Judon too. He like did like a a ballerina twirl. And yeah, just I'll to stay, stay up.
1: up. I, I honestly, I was like, he's gonna fall over. It's gonna be a weird looking sack. But he credit to him for for staying on his feet there. Um, yeah, yeah. It was under pressure, but again, only took the one sack and and was able to still make some throws down the field, which was good to see. But yeah, overall, I think Jenkins continues his trend of like playing and being okay, but not great, which is unfortunate. But yeah. Bakhtiari seems to seems to be bringing the usual box stuff, which is again just awesome to see. After you know our our line the whole year to start was like it's not real until he plays again. It's been awesome to see him play again. I it's been think awesome. He played more of this game as well.
2: Yeah, it's been awesome to see him actually exist as a football player. Exactly, and see why we paid him that money. Yes, like, money aside, money, money doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, but like. It's nice to see him live up to the expectations that we wanted to see him after being out for so long. Hundred percent.
1: Should we do so, defense?
2: Yeah. So we jump into the, uh, to the,
1: uh, the Rashawn defense. Gary show. Because
2: we could do that, or we can go defensive trenches.
1: Kind of are, similar, similar. Yeah. Except worse if you talk about it trenches as a whole, because I, yeah. I don't know how many guys look good on that let's, defensive
2: line besides let's, Rashawn. Uh, let's start with the good. Okay. Rashawn Gary. He do the dog. Yeah. Confirmed dog. I think he had two sacks?
1: Right? Two sacks and a tackle for loss and seven total tackles, which is, he was everywhere, man. Hakeem everywhere. Was everywhere. Making everywhere. plays, wrecking stuff, very much matching, I think, what Judon was doing on the other end. And just really, it just felt like even the stats are good, but it still it seems like it's honestly selling him short. It just felt like he was everywhere when the Packers needed him to be. Just a truly awesome game from Rashan Gary. A lot of like right. jump up out of the couch and get pumped stuff from him. And again, I think almost all of the big plays coming when the game was like really up in the air. Still, I guess which pretty much the whole game because it went to overtime. Right. But you
2: know, every play he made felt like a big play. Right. There was the uh, the first drive for Bailey Zappi. Um, when they were really backed up on like the four-yard line, and it was third down, and Rashawn Gary did a little uh stunt where he like faked driving off the edge and then went around to come up the middle, and I was like, man, don't let Rashawn Gary absolutely annihilate rookie quarterback Bailey Zappy, because that was gonna end badly because he was coming full force right down the a gap essentially, and. Zappi ends up rolling out and throwing a complete pass to Nick and fourth down. But I I like remember thinking, I'm like, wow, thank God that Zappi saw, saw him coming. Cause that would have been a awful end to a first drive for a rookie quarterback.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially while the, you know, I, it really, it took that drive, I think for him to settle down a bit too. So I yeah. don't know if he would have been able to settle down if Gary found, found, got home on that one.
2: Yeah, exactly. But overall. Rashawn Gary, that dog. I don't think I've seen a uh, defensive player of the year uh odds for uh for this year, but I would imagine Rashawn Gary's kind of up there.
1: I mean, certainly has been one of the the big standouts uh, for Green Bay side this year, that's for sure. Um really I think actually we've got the full grades aren't out, but we've got a PFF. Blurb on Gary, Uh, if you're making a list of elite edge rushers in the NFL, you better include Rashawn Gary after today. He recorded two stops in run defense that pales in comparison to what he did as a pass rusher. He racked up three sacks, so they count sacks differently. So according to PFF, he got a third one too, including knocking Hoyer out of the game and another forcing a fumble he recovered and two more pressures on only 21 pass rushing snaps. So basically a fourth of his pass, rush, pass rushing snaps, he either g- got the sack, and I wonder if that's the fumble doesn't count as a sack, or I'm not sure where the discrepancy is. But I don't And two more pressures, which basically mean, you know, obviously harder to complete passes under pressure uh, in those snaps. So really, again, just further confirmation, Rashawn Gary
2: was wrecking stuff. Uh, odds from this website as of September twenty seventh, have him at plus twenty five hundred behind Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Aaron Donald, and Joy Bosa.
1: It's a good list. He'll probably rise good above list. the Bosa's after those injury news. Uh at yep. least one of the Bosa's uh yeah. this week. And
2: and Miles Garrett, he didn't play this week because of his, oh, yeah. his car his crash. Car
1: accident. Yeah.
2: Um yeah, he's shaping up to have a fantastic season. Already is having a pretty good season, but shaping up to be a special one. But Run but, game defense. Uh,
1: I was going to say, let's do bad trenches. Let's
2: do bad trenches. It's concerning. It's, I think you talked about how inconsistent it is. Yeah. Like, there's times when they just look good. Uh, they're stopping the run for a couple yards, and maybe that's just how football is once in a while. You just, end up knowing, you just know for a pretty high certainty what play is going to be run based on team and game planning, stuff like that. But uh, Damon Harris, 18 Carries 86 yards and a touchdown from Mondre Stevenson. 14 carries 66 yards. Uh, but for a total, if you take out Kendrick Bourne's 15 yard rush. That's about 152 rushing yards again for a pair of running backs against the Packers, which isn't going to be good when you face top tier running backs like you do this week against Saquon Barkley. Like, I just think it's it's not sustainable to be letting up 150 yards per week rushing.
1: Especially against a team that started with Hoyer and then had Bailey Zappi in. Like, I, I right. put it, it's uh, the defensive line, I think first and foremost, you know, we've seen them be up and down, like certainly down against the Vikings when it felt like they just really didn't accomplish anything. In this game, the pass rushing was better, although there were still some plays where like mostly off play action, Zappy was able to sit back there. And, you know, the guy throws kind of a slow ball, but he, was, I mean, he hit his yeah. throws. I think it seems like a pretty good, you know, backup to the backup quarterback. He was able to complete passes. Not anything special, but, you know, really had a lot of time on some of those plays. And then the rushing, it's on the defensive line. I'd also say it's on Joe Barry and the linebackers too. Like it should be easier to make it hard to run the ball when the yeah. guy under center is – a fourth round rookie who's never played before. Like there's, there's no way that you should be able to run 32 times for an average of nearly five yards carry. When that's going, that's obviously going to be most of the Patriots' offense. I mean, Zappy passes for 99 yards on 15 attempts. Like it's not like he's absolutely slinging the thing when he's right. out there. So I thought it was a little concerning against a team that really. And the past game, I would guess most of his yards were off play action, right? Like mm-hmm. the everything was built off the run in this game. The fact that they didn't even play that well against the run and gave up some chunk passes, I thought was concerning. It's just like it shouldn't be that yeah. hard to stop a one-dimensional team. So again, giving up 17 yeah. isn't a ton. Kind of is a ton, though, at home against Bailey Zappi in the past. They have a good offensive line, but like it, it just should have been easier, it felt like, to contain – especially look at the second half where it was nice to see the offense kind of snap out of it and get going. Yeah, What was not nice was giving up two straight touchdown drives to the Patriots to start the half. And really that's the reason the game is in the balance. You only give up defense basically holds their offense to three plus the pick six in the first half. But then the first two drives of the second half back to back long touchdown drives, 77, 75 and 66 yards just can't, can't be letting the Patriots move the ball like this. Exactly, freaking Bailey Zappy, man.
2: I think it might be a case of the Packers playing down to their competition, which is like the bane of my existence. And it's seeming that was all Wisconsin sports are doing it right now. The Bucks have done it for years. The yeah. Brewers have done it all season. Now the Packers are doing it. Uh, yesterday, the Patriots running backs combined. I had 167 yards rushing at Lambeau in the week two against the Bears, they had 180 yards rushing. And then obviously last week they held Fournette to like 34 yards rushing. And then uh week one against the Vikings, I believe they uh yeah, they held Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison to 126 yards. So it's like, man, if we could just play a run game like we did against Leonard Fournette every game, that'd be good. That'd be pretty darn good. <laughs> but it's just like, I don't know where it's player focused or where it's drillberry focused. At what point does it become a scheme issue versus a, just a player issue? And I think that's something we need to—they need to figure out soon. Otherwise, you're going to have troubles against another team that doesn't have a good quarterback and a good receiving core in the New York Giants but has a really good running back in Saquon Barkley. And I think that's what could be a huge thing next week just seeing Saquon dash the defense.
1: Yeah, and that's a game where we're not sure who's going to go at quarterback for the Giants, so it should be a similar right. idea if if Daniel Jones is unable that like the pass game shouldn't be that much of a threat. It shouldn't be that hard to make. I mean, Saquon is Saquon. He looks great this season. He does. But running backs, I think maybe less than any other position in football, just rely on everything else to such a great extent that you should still be able to limit them. But, I mean, you look at those two touchdown drives, and there were Mm -hmm. some chunk passes mixed in, but both of them featured times when the Pats were able to run like four or five straight downs and move the chains doing that just shouldn't be that easy and you know i think both of them i think multiple yards or multiple rushes of 10 plus on both drives or maybe just the one but there was a 7-yarder on the other one um there was also the delay of game controversy it was really late and at this point like just do hey, a I, shot clock just do a shot clock like why not what is the yeah. what is the logic for giving the extra beat that's totally up to interpretation I don't really get the point. Like, blare a horn, if the ball hasn't been snapped, it's a delay of game. It just seems so much simpler, and then there's there's no issue. Like, it's very cut and dry. Make it challengeable. Make a light go off or whatever. Like, it would be very simple to make this entirely cut and dry. Like, I get – we talked about the catch rule. The catch rule, you can't do that for. It's always going to be up in the air a little bit, pun intended, I guess, because the ball is too – But this thing does not have to be like this. And the fact that the Packers have basically gotten burned two weeks in a row, they still got the wins. But it's just kind of stupid, man.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I was thinking about the same thing. I I was thinking about making it challengeable. Like, that's no doubt they absolutely should be making this play challengeable because it's easy to see. Clock at zero, is ball moving? Like, if ball's moving at zero, that's fine as long as it is moving. Yeah. But the shot clock idea is great. Like, just... Make the buzzer, make the yeah. buzzer go off when, when it hits it, zero. Like
1: it's it's, it's simple. so simple. Like it's just do exactly what basketball does. That's why. Imagine the NBA, oh my the God. absolute <laughs> chicanery. If you know LeBron and the Lakers are playing, and the ref has to look, see the zero, look back, and then blow the whistle. Like it would be. I mean, obviously, it happens so much more that it's really impractical. Or it's so much faster, but also like.
2: It's just a stupid idea to do it the way they do it. Right. It would be, I think, players would hate it. Like, quarterbacks would hate it the I'm first. I'm sure like, they he, would because they get away
1: with delay of team well, yeah. every every Sunday.
2: Like the first year or two, just because of like how disruptive it like disruptive yeah. it would be to the game. But at the same time, it just it makes it so much easier and takes the controversy out of a lot of these things. And it's again. Not that the Packers haven't gotten away with it too; they've gotten burned on touchdowns with it twice in two weeks, so which is annoying. Yeah,
1: and I, part of me wonders—you know—does that does the call have anything to do with the coverage on the play, which was very bad? I think that's maybe reading into it a little too much, but right, maybe.
2: Yeah, talk about the the Giants next week, real fast. They might be down two of their starters starting quarterbacks like Daniel Jones might not be able to go I think Tyrod Taylor is like pretty sure not gonna go um because he got yeah he got pulled out of the game after being subbed in for I think after one series he got hurt after being I think Daniel Jones wasn't playing well and they wanted somebody else and then he got hurt so they had to put Daniel Jones back in which is hilariously Daniel Jones but um yeah they might be down to uh Another third stringer, so we could see a very similar game next week in London.
1: Yeah, I was. I don't think they had anybody else.
2: Yeah, I, don't I think, think they
1: were a two QB team, which usually I think is is smart, but it wasn't good yeah. really there. So yeah, it could be someone that they just have to like sign. We're gonna see like, I don't even know who would be available.
2: I saw some people talking about it. I it was a no name person. Yeah, which like all due respect, our buddy like. <laughs> I know you're uh you're probably make pretty excited to get your start. We'll know your name when we know your name.
1: <laughs> I just hope that this week's upcoming London game is not as close as uh Sunday's London game was. I agree. That's all I want. That was a good game for what it's worth. Like it was yeah. It was fun. I just Again. Again, kinda like this game, probably shouldn't have been. Vikings probably shouldn't have been. Saints down, QB one, running back one, wide receiver one, and Andres Pete, and still nearly won that football game. Uh I think there's is a little bit of randomness in London. Do you see this oh. is gonna be the first London game yeah. with teams with winning records?
2: Which like it shouldn't sup- be. They tried to sh- give it
1: another crap game with the Giants, but they they happen yeah. to keep winning football games.
2: Yeah, one it shouldn't be. Two, it doesn't surprise me because like the first what six seven Jax. years of them yeah. playing in London was always the Jaguars. Yeah, and it was then it went just to other bad teams. Like the process behind it was Jaguars taking home games in London to try and grow their fan base and try and get some more more fans out there and just general fan uh, enthusiasm. But yeah, first. Game of two, uh two winning teams, and I'm sure it'll look just like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, um, what else on the on the defense from this game?
2: I don't think I had too much else. I was happy to see Eric Stokes play, um, not play, but play well. Yeah. Um, Amos made a couple of good tackles. I'm sad to see he went out, as we talked about earlier. His
1: the tackle that he got hurt on was
2: just awesome, like shoestring
1: yeah. tackle in open field, the kind of thing that. You know, you either make a great play or the offense gets a chunk gain. It was a really nice play. Sucks to see he got you know the the potential concussion. I don't know if it's been confirmed or not, but right. at least felt like he had a concussion
2: um, after that. Purely based on vibes, I'm really happy. Like vibes and just like watching the game. I don't know the exact advanced statistics. Like I know after week one or oh after the Bears game, there was a lot of talk about the missed tackles um, in the secondary and at the in the linebacking core. It seems like our secondary is really, really good at tackling receivers in open space. Yeah, Running game, maybe not so much. Maybe they're getting kind of broken out there. But I think at least once a game this year, I've talked about, or wrote, written in my notes, that it's like, wow, really great open field tackle and a great spot by Eric Stokes. Great great tackle by Razul Douglas. Like, Because Razul had another one in this game, too, where he just shot the, the screen and yeah. tackled. And so I think it's really awesome to go from a Dom Caper's defense way back when, when they could not tackle an open space, to seeing these guys now tackle an open space and make big stops when they matter.
1: Yeah, I think outside of the first touchdown, the the delay of game touchdown, um, where the coverage really blew up, it seemed like overall they did solid, you know, even down Jair and, and Amos, but hopefully they can start getting those guys back before we face a real quarterback again, because I do think, there's probably some more holes that just aren't getting aren't getting taken advantage of. But right. overall the unit, you know, again, held the Patriots to 104 passing yards. They should have, but still nice to see considering there were, you know, plenty of guys who had to get bumped up, including Rudy Ford, the special teamer, who filled in and, and seemed like played fine uh on defense. Right.
2: That's what I talked about in the pregame or in the preview pod uh this week was that. These next four games are really important for the Packers, including this one, because they're not going to be playing top-level quarterbacks. They're not going to be yeah. playing top-level teams. They should be getting all these wrinkles ironed out so that when they go into the second half of their season, they're where they're going to face better quarterbacks and better teams, they're ready to compete and ready to actually play up to playoff-level competition as opposed to the Bears, as opposed to the Patriots, Giants, Jets, and Commanders. Like yeah. The second half of their schedule is... Definitely a little harder than the first half because after the Commanders game, they play the Bills, the Cowboys, the Titans, Eagles, the Rams, the Dolphins, and the Vikings again, and then Lions twice. So, and the Bears again, obviously, but that's a lot of good teams, a lot of yeah. playoff caliber teams right now, as opposed to the Bucks and the Vikings in the first four weeks. though so through the Commanders game at the end of the, at the end of October, they would play. Essentially, two expected playoff teams, not counting the Giants, who are the Giants and probably the worst three one team I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. One last note: I wonder if we see old friend Micah Abernathy uh, get elevated with the Maybe. secondary injuries for this game yeah. in London. We'll see. Hopefully, Amos is okay and and good to go. But might be nice to have some more uh, some more options there at least.
2: Yeah. Hopefully, I would say hopefully, but
1: yeah. We, you we'd know like I'm, to see him. I Micah like Abernathy yeah, Chip. Yeah. Yeah. But um agree on Stokes though. I think this yeah. story all year with him is we haven't heard his name a ton. He's made some nice tackles, which that's a great combo for a cornerback. So we'll we'll take that.
2: Yeah. If you're uh if you're not getting your name called, it means you're probably not getting thrown at. And if you're not thrown, it, it means your guy is not open. Exactly. <laughs> it's not like he's wide receiver two or three. He's or, quarterback three or four, he's cornerback. Two, essentially,
1: yeah, right now for sure.
2: Right now, he's one with Jagger out, but uh, when is healthy, yeah. he's, he's two. Yeah, awesome. Anything else? No defense talk, got up Mason Crosby. Yeah,
1: yeah, that, uh, if he missed Crosby.
2: that I don't know what I don't know what I would have done. I had, I like it's it's weird not to like have doubts about a kick. I had like no doubt he was making that kick. Amari
1: Rodgers made a good play. It got overshadowed. The punt, I don't remember. It was late in the game, but I I don't think – it wasn't overtime yet. I think it was fourth quarter. But the Pats punting from near their own end zone, and the Mm -hmm. kick was bouncing in front of him, and he snagged it and brought it forward, probably less than 10 yards. But that thing, that sucker looked like it would have rolled quite a while or bounced quite a while behind him. So it was nice to have the awareness to snag that and do the unsafe move, which we see him do the safe move too often – um, there was a penalty that kind of ended up not mattering as much, but not his fault. And I thought that was like that was a heads up, high IQ play to try and flip the field in your favor. So we, mm-hmm. we've ragged on Amari Rodgers, who has not done a lot of great stuff. But that play in particular, I thought eh, it's a nice Amari Rodgers play.
2: Fair enough. The we'll bar is him. low, but
1: that was a nice play.
2: The bar is the four. Is that the old, uh, Michael Jordan quote: "This this ceiling is the roof." Yeah, yeah. This is the opposite. <laughs> this is the opposite. righty. if nothing else, good ugly win by the Packers this week. We'll be back uh, Thursday for a preview of the trip across the pond <laughs> to go <laughs> to go to London for the Packers' first time playing overseas against the New York Giants. Um, Eight thirty. Right in early Sunday. Little morning cup of coffee. Maybe a little waffles, hash browns, maybe.
1: Go with, go with your football. Maybe some beans. Be very on 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 brand or on you know, on trend for the London game. <laughs> Get some beans in that breakfast.
2: Yeah, that's what that's what you really want is beans to go with your toast and eggs. Yep. <laughs> Celebrate the London game the right way, folks. Celebrate London the right way, folks. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Talk of the Tundra. We will see you again, as I mentioned, on Thursday for the preview of the Giants game. Uh, hi, thanks so much. Numa, thank you.